0: I've been reading this book from Joshua and it's full of feet and inches and it's been like really <laughs> hard to get my head around how much is that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I know that. Yeah. That it's
1: an interesting concept where if someone says meters, if it's anywhere from 1 to 5 meters, I can grok it, right? I can I can visualize that. But if someone says something's dozens or hundreds, I'm like I need yards. I know that's stupid, but I need, I need some other form of yards? measurement that's or quarter mile. I know. All right. Maybe a quarter mile, maybe. Um, I'll give you miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is an interesting idea. Like this, this little book I wrote that Sadie has been reading. Yeah. It's very Americanized, right? I, I would not have even thought to, to use uh, the metric system. Oh, that's fantastic.
2: I have a rock solid argument for Fahrenheit over Celsius, but inches and feet i got nothing for you
1: you are not alone on that by the way in the podcasting tech world of uh john gruber maintains this like metric is good except for fahrenheit and that's the hill he'll die on
2: (laughs) yeah what's the bit is it that like 100 is 100 percent hot and like zero is as cold as i'll go and like
1: 70% is about right. It's how your skin feels, right? Like it's yeah. what's, what makes sense for you. Um, I don't know if Sadia has another Completely thing on that. Completely but-
0: subjective. <laughs> no, 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 it's no, close though. I mean, who the heck cares about where water boils? Not me. Yeah, definitely. The fidelity of Fahrenheit is a clear uh, argument and, and makes it better than Celsius in that sense is you get greater fidelity. I li- I like that. That's good about Fahrenheit and makes it, Arguably better, especially in situations where precise temperature control, like cooking uh, meat or something like that, is important. Then, yeah, okay, so so fine. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like particularly attached to the to the Celsius is better camp. Uh, I I don't like the argument though of seventy just feels right. It feels natural because of course it feels natural. Just like if you tell me it's twenty five degrees. (laughs) It also feels natural to me, you know, like it's just what we're grown up with. Are are they arbitrary? I think they're both arbitrary.
1: Everything else, I will grant metric the win because, frankly, when I'm trying to figure out ounces to teaspoons to cups when I'm making food, it is just ridiculous. I, give me grams, give me kilograms. I can. That's just so much easier. Um, and even though I grew up with this, I, I had this. I was shopping last night, and it was asking how many ounces are in uh, something like a gallon, and I couldn't do the math. Like I couldn't figure it out, and I thought I had it, and I checked my phone. I was wrong. All that's to say, we were talking last week about dates and how, how do you write down dates. My preferred method, and this is from the Sadi and I worked at this company, an international company years ago, is year, day of the month, followed by month, so twenty twenty four, O two, twenty seven. 02, And I've been doing that for about seven years now. And that's how I write down my dates for all my notes. And that allows me to just kind of grok everything much simpler for, I probably have 4,000 documents I've written in the last seven years that are dated like that. And I just, I I love it. If someone does it, I don't know, uh, how do you guys use dates? Do you have any uh, preferences when you're writing them down?
2: That's order of granularity, right? So it just sorts alphabetically, essentially.
1: Um, is that well? It's year, year month, then day. day of the month. No, it's year, day of the month, and then the month.
0: No, <laughs> why? No, it's not. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. That is you make look sense. at your notes right now, you'll see it's it's year, month, date.
1: Okay, you're right. You're right. It, it's not yet. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's year, month, date. It, yeah, level of granularity.
0: So, this is an international standard, it's ISO 8601, maybe if I'm if I remember correctly, and it's used in programming quite a lot. And I I think it's good practice, especially on international teams to handle dates in this format so that nobody ever gets confused.
1: The reason I like it is when I'm sorting through docs and files and folders, it allows me to kind of just see things by look at the year first. If it's Saturday, March 2nd, 2017 like that's just not easy to scan when you have dozens of files all compared against each other so yeah that that's how i like to do it is that how you do it luke maybe there's no discussion here at all
2: uh well yeah if i'm gonna date files i definitely go year month day just because then yeah alphabetically it sorts it in order of occurrence um, but in the rest of my life, I'll just go month, day, year, like the traditional American um, convention. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is uh, episode 22 of Ultra Pro Max. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem and all relevant rabbit holes. So uh, speaking of animals, rhinos singing and slacklining, Josh, <laughs> that's in the show notes.
1: I figured you guys were probably getting tired of the Apple Vision Pro. So I I put it under a a different title so that I could run into this. Oh, man. (laughs) Baited us. I, this afternoon ahead of the podcast, I was thinking about the Vision Pro. And why have I not used it in a couple of days? So I'm like, all right, let me go back to the one thing I cared about the most, which is the viewing experience, the immersive experience. So I sat down. And I watched the full episode of, oh shoot, I'm gonna I forget her name, uh, but the, the woman who does the slacklining, and she is fantastic. She's at a fjord in Norway, slacklines across a 3,000 foot vertical drop. Uh, They're using 3D cameras to capture this, apples, and you're watching it in the Vision Pro. So there's three experiences. Then it's uh, in South Africa. It's um, a team of people who are trying to protect rhinos. So it's in their the the nature preserve where they're protecting rhinos and you're seeing these rhinos run around with these people these chubby little unicorns and then there's alicia keys recording a song in her studio and so i just kind of sat down and watched all of those i didn't finish the alicia keys one yet but i wanted to just see what if to the extent that there's a future here what is that future and i I just got to say I get frustrated navigating in apps. I get frustrated with this like V1 software. I, I just get so, <laughs> I get frustrated with the fit and like the, how finicky things are and the blurriness. But when you are watching this person slack line across a uh, ravine and then the the music tempo picks up because I've got the AirPods in and she starts to tip and then she falls. The feeling I have, and then it, she gets caught right by the the rope. The feeling I have is so visceral. I'm watching this person that actually feels like they are five feet tall, a little bit in front of me, versus when I'm watching something on our big screen or a laptop, the size dimension of what my brain thinks that person is, is all off. Here, it's like they're really in the room a little bit away from me, and I'm experiencing that, and my heart rate starts pulsing when when she falls, uh, it... It's just such a unique experience that nothing else has ever compared to it. And I wanted to see, did I feel that again after a week or two? And I did. And I want more content. I want to just watch more things from Apple and hopefully other players, maybe Disney in this space that are like that. It is so exciting. My daughter loved the slacklining. I could see she was just viscerally, viscerally reacting to it. If Apple can get the price down on these things where more people can buy them, I think it's going to be so exciting for sports, for immersive experiences. I felt like I got to see some rhinos in real life running around in in the woods with people who were trying to protect them. That was such a positive thing. And my immediate reaction was, I want more. I want to just watch. I want to watch sports. I want to watch other types of content that are done like this.
0: So 3D video is nothing new, right? The Hobbit was shot, I think with Mm -hmm. the two lens cameras, Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. And There have been 3D immersive videos, 180 and 360 for the Oculus Quest and other headsets for a long time. In fact, I went to the Melbourne Film Festival what 10 years ago and participated in an entire immersive film section of the Melbourne Film Festival. So immersive video content like this is actually nothing new. What is new is the high resolution and the playback on high-resolution displays. And I think that that makes a really, really big difference. Mm -hmm. But if you want cutting-edge, what you want to look into is light fields. Have you heard about light field cameras? I have not, no. So the limitation with the Vision Pro that you'll notice, whether it's in sports or whether it's in watching Alicia Keys, is you move your head to the left or the right, and what happens things start to feel a little bit strange. You can't sort of go for a walk around the room. You can't, even tilting your head uh, will create a sort of strange effect. You sort of need your eyes to be level because that's how the cameras were when the thing was shot. However, there is another technology called light field cameras. And actually the way that it works is you've got to imagine an, imagine an arch. It's a vertical arch. And along the outside is a series of sort of GoPro-sized cameras shooting high resolution and they're 3D cameras, right? Each of these individual cameras is 3D. And then what happens is this arch is attached to a, a spindle or a swivel in the center, and it spins around taking photos in a circle. Mm. What you get in the end is you know a lot of computational Uh, adjustments and blending and various different things. But then you get a video where you can actually move your head. I think it's about a meter range and the world is captured everywhere inside of that meter. So if you move your head down, you'll get a slightly different angle and you can go right now on steam. If you have a quest headset, look for uh, uh, from, from Google, a experience called, Uh, Welcome to Lightfields, I believe it's called. It's amazing. It's like it's next level on top of what you're describing on the Vision Pro because you'll get like lights coming in through a window and bouncing off the surface of a table. And as you move your head to the left and right, you see the reflections are different and you have lens flares that appear, but then you move your vision slightly left or right and the lens flare moves with you. It's just incredible so be really truly transported into a a different environment whereas with the 3d video that you're talking about you are sort of limited to being stuck in one spot without being able to move your head
1: all right a couple of things one um, i want to experience this light field technology that you're talking about right i have i have heard of the technology i've never seen it And I think what you're describing is it's multiple focal points, right? Versus a fixed lens, it's the only focal point is really where the director has set. And so hopefully it's something that's interesting to look at. But if you look elsewhere, not so much. Um, And what you're describing sounds perfect for something like a basketball game, right? Where I can turn and look and everything is perfect everywhere. What I will say with the Apple Vision Pro is watching this short episode of the slackliner was fine because there were cuts about every 10 to 15 seconds it was like a movie where the director had decided where in general i should be looking within a certain field of view and then they used the music they used the the narration to create an experience for me that was very custom right probably very relatively expensive and for that type of thing It was perfect. It was so fantastic. For something like a sports game, I actually, I want to get into the Apple Vision Pro demo to, I want to see a sports game. I want to watch a soccer game for a little while to see if that does that for me as well. Does it feel like I'm there that I can look around? Um, Yeah, I've seen the one, you've seen the other, so neither of us can truly compare having both experiences. Is
2: this light field, just to clarify, light field technology,
1: is this allowing you to,
0: move your point of view laterally laterally within six degrees as well laterally up and down left and right and side to side within about one meter of the center point point.
1: and the resolution was what was just so fantastic right where i can see there's a room for it to get better like I, the apple vision pro probably could go 8k right i could still see a little bit that could get better in the years to come but it's still it was pretty amazing
2: Cool. I'm just I'm stuck thinking about the future of what this would look like and I'm thinking about Lightfield and I'm wondering, is that necessary to be able to move your head laterally? Like what I imagine being a really cool experience is just to hop into a movie and be able to you know, it it kind of feels more like a like a Disneyland ride, so to speak. It's like you're in the chair that's moving along the track and you're supposed to look in a certain direction. That's where the the, the storyline is happening. But you could, you know, look behind the car and see what's behind you. You could look to your left or to your right, but you're still like in your stuck spot. Now, perhaps the light field is just to help it feel more natural as your head naturally kind of
0: bobbles from side
2: to side. Is that kind of the goal of it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it feels almost supernatural just seeing the the main effect is the light and reflecting and refracting off surfaces in different ways depending on your subtle head movement and that just makes the entire experience level up
1: is this the type of technology that could probably also be dropped into a basketball game i suppose right and then you could watch it in some kind of uh, vr goggles
0: Yes. The problem, the main problem is that there is no file format that really supports this yet. So Mm -hmm. the only Lightfield videos that exist, they're bundled into an app and have their own sort of custom processing to make it all happen.
2: Huh. Cool. Well, I guess uh, watching video on my nice big flat screen TV is going to be a thing of the past. Kind of like email. Joshua's using email less. and. Honestly, I'm wondering why this is a talking point because I'm surprised he was using email at all. But then again, I am Gen Z.
1: <laughs> that is, that's right, you're Gen Z. That's uh, do generations even matter? Do they even yeah. matter? Anyway, you're right. Uh, for 25 years now, I've been using email, and at least six days a week, sometimes seven, I'm checking it often, and. I've developed the habit of checking it probably 100 times a day, if not more. Wow. And it's turned into just a an impulse, right? Like refreshing Twitter back in the day when I would do that or Instagram or checking Reddit. It's just like one of the things you do when you have nothing to do and you want a dopamine hit to see if maybe a new project landed or if I got a response to that question I was asking about. And a couple of weeks ago, I was just having a bunch of stressors all hit at once between work, personal life and a bunch of things and... I just decided, you know what, things are crazy. I'm going to not check my email for, it was like a Friday. I'm not going to check till Monday and nothing bad happened. Imagine. (laughs) So then that week I checked it like once or twice a day. And then, then that weekend I did the same thing and nothing bad happened. And then I went from Friday to Tuesday this last week and nothing bad happened. And it. I've been spending an average of about 10 minutes a day during the work week in my personal email, just going through stuff, responding to a few things, and then moving things around. And it has been so freeing. It's been something that I could not figure out how to break the habit of before. And I wonder, this goes back to the uh, eventually, I think I will use all default Apple apps based on I was talking to Sadia over this <laughs> I wonder if Apple Mail would work for me if I wasn't in something hundreds of times a day, right? If I'm going there to check it and then do my work process and then be done, then maybe I don't need some complicated SaaS solution that I'm paying 10 bucks a month for. So I just want to report that I'm now about three weeks into this and I'm loving it. And I don't, I know there's emails I need to respond to. There's actually one that was a pretty important one that was time sensitive, and I was feeling a little bad that I only responded within 24 hours. And I was talking to my wife about this. She's like, Joshua, if 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 someone has an expectation of less than 24 hours, that's not normal. That's that's not a typical way that business or personal stuff should be handled in an email fashion. And that was a good reminder. So I responded, and we, we things moved forward, and everything's good. So I think I'm not at the stage where I could check once a week during the work week, but at least. I think I could hold that down to once a day and about mid-afternoon, go in, check everything, respond. It's it's awesome. I'm I'm so happy.
0: I think maybe even twice a day is healthy. Once at the start of the day and once at the end of the day, you clear your inbox, hit inbox zero, or just maybe leave one or two and you're fine.
1: Is that about what you've been doing?
0: My practice is that I'll start my day with email and Slack, maybe a bit of ivory, a bit of Mastodon, and then quit those applications for the entire day. I don't use them while I'm working. I have them closed. And then at the end of the day, as I'm wrapping up and trying to maybe transition a little bit out of the heavy mental flow state that I've been in programming, I open up my email and Slack and just check in, make sure I don't have any messages that people are waiting on me for or anything like that, clear them out, and then that's my day.
1: How about you, Luke?
2: That's quite nice. I... um. You know, I could do better with managing my email. I don't think I miss anything, but I usually let it get to like four or five hundred unread and then I go through and clear it all out. I keep on it's Saudi it looks horrified. <laughs> I need to I have gone through and unsubscribed to a bunch of them, too. I, I just need to keep doing that. Anyways, it's been a, uh, a lifelong journey with my email inbox. Man, this email can be such a complicated issue. Honestly, managing all the notifications we get on a daily basis can be so incredibly complex
1: rule number one zero notifications that is what i'm sticking to i am now multiple years into no notifications on anything ever i will allow the little bubble to show up for phone and messages and that's it (laughs) um and i'm uh, i hold to that one very strongly (laughs) that's a good way to live yeah um, and even apps I've worked on, I get I've I've had these arguments with founders and product managers. Hey, I understand notifications increase engagement. However, can you give me a way to only see notifications when someone has, when I'm when the main action for which I use your app is ready, and do not use it for marketing? Can you please give me a way to turn that on or off in settings? I've not found a single founder that's willing to do that, and so that means you don't get notifications. Looking at you, Marco Polo, looking at you, LinkedIn, looking at you, Facebook Messenger, looking at you, Instagram, Uh, Meta, Threads, all of them. Continue.
2: (laughs) No one wants to better our culture, just toxically chaining us to these screens.
0: As an app designer, one of the things that you can think about is live activities on iOS. Because live activities do make a great alternative to notifications. For the right things. It doesn't always fit, uh, but it often can. And I think that those, not only do they show up more prominently, but they're directly tied to the functionality of the app. And widgets is the same sort of thing. So as an alternative to notifications, I really like those. Sometimes a notification can be helpful, but... Yeah. Whenever I'm always just defaulting to no. Also, just because people abuse it, like you say, and and send marketing stuff all the time.
1: And for me, I'm in the context of I'm doing one thing. I do not want an app to pull me to another. And you're right. A live activity is a perfect example. Like if I'm going on a flight, there's that little, that great airplane app. I forget the name right now. Flighty, perhaps. Live activities is so perfect for that. Or if I'm getting an Uber, oh, they're actually abusing it with ads.
2: What is a live activity? What is a live activity? That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Unpack that S- S-
1: you, you could probably explain it better than me.
0: Some apps have a special functionality that allows the bottom section of your lock screen to show an activity that's in progress. Uh-huh. So the classic example is a sports game. And you can see the scores and how far through the game they are in the third quarter. And this is the score. And these are the two teams that are playing. And Flighty is another really good example where you can see the status of your flight, the how far through the journey you are, all of that sort of thing. It shows up on the lock screen. And tapping that will take you through to the right place in the app. It's different to a notification in that it uh, it stays at the bottom of your lock screen while that activity is happening. And when the activity is over, when the football game or basketball game ends, the live activity disappears also.
2: Yeah, I've seen that. My time tracker app will do that and kind of show you what, where we're at. That's I love it. It's brilliant. Um, so how would you use that in place of a notification? Because it seems like a fundamental difference of purpose.
1: It's I don't want um I don't want an app to ping me when I'm not using it. But if I'm in the middle of waiting for an Uber or I've got a a timer on for something that's on the stove or if I'm waiting for my flight in the next hour, live activities uh, is just such a great way that when I. Go to look at my phone. The bottom third is showing something that is an, uh, an app I intend to interact with over the next short period of time, and that's actually more valuable than a notification um th- that's how I use it no well, i just I can't imagine somebody not like somebody
2: using a notification in place of a live activity like they wouldn't uh I guess for the flights I could use it for flights. For a sports game, what, would they just ping you every time someone scored? I guess
0: that would be the alternative. That's not only the alternative, but the history. It's what yep. used to happen. Gotcha. Yeah,
2: iOS is just getting better and better, making things simpler and simpler. Phil Schiller talks about making things simple. I don't know much about Phil Schiller, but Joshua does.
1: So this was just a little LinkedIn post that got me thinking about a lot of things. Um, former Apple employee you talked about a time where Phil Schiller the VP of marketing and current Apple fellow just encouraged the team, the importance of simplicity, like make a decision, do something for the customer. Um, do not make them jump through mental gymnastics. And I'll, I'll put the, this into the show notes, but just a fantastic little way of about thinking about things. And one of the things I remember um, working at automatic is the CEO had said that uh, let's try to make decisions over options. Let's try and, decide for the user what makes the most sense here then we'll test it and we'll make changes as we need to but by default don't just always assume that you're going to give them a bunch of options and then let them choose now there's a spectrum there too far one end too far the other end not great but i like that principle of let's actually try to think about this for you to make it a little bit easier and uh the use case so i had a friend this weekend he was asking me my thoughts on the apple podcast app and if i liked it and so i contrasted that with overcast two great apps that i've used a ton both are for podcasting and i actually have some further thoughts on apple Podcasts and what they're doing well and not doing well but overall <clears throat> it's a great app for a large audience to get introduced to podcasts and to use some basic features and a few uh, advanced features and get in, listen to podcasts, and enjoy their day. Overcast is my personal preference because it has a couple advanced features I like, but it's not necessary for most people. And I think that's where Apple does well with most of their apps. They have a simple way of approaching it that works for the majority of people. And that's something that I'm trying to take to heart as a designer, Over and I've been trying to do the last couple of years, is I would rather our team have a harder time getting the infrastructure in place so that it feels super simple and easy to use instead of putting that weight on the users just because we couldn't quite figure out how to design it or develop it uh, in time. So that's just kind of a philosophical thought on the importance of simplicity, and uh, I love it.
2: As a developer, I kind of like that too. It seems like it puts a lot of uh... Onus on the project develop project managers and uh, designers to make all the decisions, and then I only have to develop one thing instead of seven. Great,
0: perfect. I think it's important to keep in mind that this only really works if you have reasonably good user testing. Yep. Because what can often happen is you go, "Oh, I think that this will be simple," and then you send it to people, and they go, "Oh, I don't know what to do. How do I change this?" I one of the things I love about Apple's apps, and you see this in a bunch of different apps. Sometimes it gets called surprise and delight, but hiding features. That's, I think, the right way of doing it. At least that's the way I enjoy doing it, is I want to add an option for the user to be able to do this particular advanced thing, but I don't want to show them an option. So, for example, in a timeline view, I've got a timeline view in my app, and I want to be able to collapse the timeline view to hide past events. I could make that an option. I could put that in the settings. I could have a button to do that. But I don't. I just make it so when you click on the timeline, on the line that connects everything in the timeline, it collapses down. And it's not written anywhere. It's not telegraphed. It's There's no onboarding. But I've shown my app to different users, and they've said, oh, it would be good if you could collapse it. And they just touch the timeline and it collapses and that they oh yeah of course and they don't forget it because it just felt so natural be good if i could change the date format they touch the date and it switches so i don't know that sort of thing i think that's where it's at that's that's how i like to develop apps
1: and one thing i'll i'll kind of add to that is this is different from mystery navigation that's an old web design term from like 15 years ago Uh, but it's the app functions If you don't know any of the little secrets, right? You don't need to have any of the... uh, In Mac parlance, you learn shortcuts, and that's how you get around Mac apps, and that's been a thing for 30, 40 years, and we love it. But if you don't know how... If you can't even use your keyboard... With your mouse, you can interact with all of Apple's native apps and well-designed indie apps, and it's perfect. What you're describing is what's a way that you can get an edge that, but you can be rewarded for loving that app and understanding the nuance and working more quickly. Um, but the happy path is simple for anyone to understand; it's been user tested. But those surprise and delight moments are that bonus that sh- when when I run across those, it shows me that the developer cared, that they actually enjoyed their product they enjoy creating they enjoy that creativity and frankly you don't see that in enterprise you don't see that in these massive apps (laughs) often it's usually the little apps that you see that wonderful little stuff so yeah i applaud that and i i I love it
2: yeah it's obvious that the developers themselves are using these those little apps just to make their own lives easier and they're like oh this would be so cool and those are the those are the most fun apps to use well thank you everyone for joining us uh, for another episode of UltraPro max um we would love to hear from you. Uh, we would love to hear your input, uh, you know, feedback on what we're talking about. If you think we're way off base on certain calls we make, um, uh, if you have any ideas for things that we could talk about, uh, things we could learn about so that we could talk about, send us an email to email at ultrapromax.fm. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. And uh, Josh and Saudi it's been great talking with you guys, and we'll, we'll uh, join again next week.
1: Thanks, everyone.